that is where like where the relationship, the theology, and the evangelization, like give your heart to him, all comes together in that moment. And I feel like the games, the fun, the me sharing my life with them prepares the way for them to receive that message. Right. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Bulletin, the official podcast of St. Anthony of Padua. My name is Nate Hoffman. I am the Communications and Development Coordinator here at St. Anthony, and I am blessed to be joined today by our very own Director of Evangelization, Michael Gormley. Hello, Mike. Mm, Hello, Nate. It is good to be here. It is good. And I am happy I can bless you with my presence. You know, most people would not describe my presence as a blessing. So it's nice to hear someone do just that. That's great. How how you doing, Mike? How's your weekend? Man, weekend terrible. Today great. What what today's a Tuesday. Today's a Tuesday. One, it's not the weekend anymore, which I don't know if you know this was terrible. My wife went out of town to visit a friend, so I had to babysit my own kids like an animal. Spend time with your children, you're kidding. Ugh, I, no, that's beneath me. No, I put them in front of a TV. They are like, "Oh, uh, kind of chocolate milk." And you're like, "I don't know, can you?" And I like, can't I don't relate. Know, Dad, can I? And I'm like, I don't know. Can you? And we just kept, it was loops like that, endlessly. <laughs> this weekend, we did celebrate the Feast of St. Anthony of Padua, awesome. our patron saint. Yeah. Uh, beautiful uh, experience there at the church in the afternoon on Sunday. We had a holy hour um, with a novena, a completion of the novena, and a, and a uh, litany to St. Anthony. And it was uh really beautiful. Father Matthew did a great liturgy for us. Would you us. say the litany to St. Anthony was lit? <laughs> Any would other? Say, would you say that it put the lit in litany? I would for uh, for our older crowd. Lit is a apparently some kind of slang term mm. denoting cool or mm-hmm. that's it. jive maybe or, or neato. 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 Neato potato. Yeah, that's awesome. Father Matthew. For those of you who don't know, Father Matthew and a lot of members of our Indian community here at the parish have been doing a monthly novena for nine months, leading into Saint Anthony's feast day at the end of every Tuesday evening mass. And so when we did the nine-day novena, we just he just helped us incorporate them into the prayers and all that stuff, which is why we had him lead it. Um, I love Father Matthew. He's such a such a humble man, such a kind guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Father Matthew helped us out in a big way, and some parishioners, particularly uh, the Alexanders, Chaco oh, nice. and Sunitha, um, helped pull us pull it off. And they're they're originally from India. They're telling me the tradition and they where they're from in India uh, for the feast day of the particular parish. A week-long celebration where you can't even enter, you can't even get in the doors. You know, there's so many people there wow. either praying or celebrating or, or, or whatever. And um, yeah, and every single, and there's lots of St. Anthony's in India as well. So so this time of year uh, is our huge celebrations. Um, so Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love hearing about the way different cultures and different places celebrate the feast day that for me, growing up, St. Anthony's Feast Day, like my parents, my mom had a devotion to St. Anthony, but it was never like a big thing. St. Anthony's very popular on the East Coast in the U.S., right? I mean, it's the most common boy's name on the East Coast for like, I don't know, like 40 years in a row. Wow. But um, it was never a big part growing up in Oklahoma. Like, there wasn't a lot of devotion, but it's amazing. Like, it thrives. It is a thriving thing down in Mexico, down in Honduras. So it's cool to see how like, you know, as Americans, we're so lucky that like the global mission is our parish, right? Like all the nations, right? It's so beautiful. Yeah, and I think uh, this was a good year. We, we've always had, uh, you know, a devotion to St. Anthony here at our 
parish. Do you know what I just got and that I'm really excited about? Oh, what's that? I got an email. An email Ooh. from future parochial vicar, Father David Huss. Oh. And he just said, well, I got some reading to do. And it was a collection of like 150 sermons from St. Anthony of Padua. Oh, baby. Yeah. And he sent wow. it to me as well. It was a, a PDF. And I'm like, oh, hi. I am, I'm definitely down for this. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Father David coming in hot with the uh, St. Anthony stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other cool thing about this weekend, we had finally got all of these beautiful posters and images of the 27 saint relics that we'll they have so in nice. our new Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. So if you walked into the piazza this week, you saw uh, all of these saints, all these beautiful colored images of, of the saints on the left and on the right. Um, and to me, when I'm walking through that piazza, it was it brought to life in a in a different way the communion of saints that will that we are experiencing that we will experience in the new chapel and then you know obviously in heaven that you have you've talked about this experience this communion yeah. of saints many times it was just another deepening I, I suppose of of that experience because I you know you know how it goes you hear something and it's like oh yeah I've heard that before and it just sort of becomes like a fact to you yeah but this for these images to be present, it felt to me like a, um, I don't know, like a, a, a hammering home or a, a, a stepping up of what it really means to be surrounded by saints in their presence and their uh, have recourse to them throughout the year. Yeah, it was awesome because, um, you know, my family and I, we went to the 6 p.m. mass because, you know, I was home alone with the kids and I wasn't about to wake up before noon. So uh, I'm there with the kids and uh, I got a text message from Martha. And Martha's daughter, Rocio, is the one who, who's down in Mexico. She can't get her dang visa to get up here because the COVID shut down the visa office that she needs. Um, but Rocio, uh, her mom sent me this, these pictures of the piazza and her daughter's artwork surrounding the statue of Our Lady in front of the fountain. And she just said, it's like, like uh, the special army of Our Lady. Like mm. all these saints, these beautiful images done for our church. Right, and they're just out there, and it was awesome. I loved the way it looked in the piazza. It just, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's what uh, Hebrews twelve one says. So, yeah, awesome. That's what it felt like. I'd love to have those images out on like all year round for at least for the rest of the summer. But the old <laughs> Texas wind and the, the Texas old... <laughs> humidity will destroy those things. Yeah, yeah. You leave them up for a, a week with this 97 degree insanity we've been having. Yeah, they'll gone. melt. So uh, this morning I, I put them all throughout our campus and indoors. So anyone walking around our campus and in some of our classrooms oh and my our parish goodness. office. I just had a brilliant idea. Yeah, what's up? Okay, so right now we're doing vacation Bible school. Yeah. And they have a saint of the day. You know what we should do? So we should hide them around campus. Not really hide them, but put them everywhere around campus and make the kids do a scavenger hunt. And they have to get their picture taken in front of all 27. Man, I am a genius. You really are sometimes, Mike. Wow. I know. It's almost like I've done this youth ministry gig before. Yeah. Or been around the block. Speaking of, yes, sir. Wow. So, so Mike, the, did we just of, stumble into our topic I for think today? That's a that's a segue, as as we like to say. But so, one of the reasons we we wanted to start this podcast, uh, restart it uh, the second time around, was for me to take sort of a tour of the ministries. As you might know, if you listened to last week's podcast, I am fairly new to the parish. I've been working here about half a year, um, and th- that half a year has been uh, COVID riddled. So. Now, as summer begins, as our, some of our restrictions uh, lift up, we're starting all these ministries that I've heard so much about, and I want to take a look at uh, these ministries from the eyes of a newcomer. Mm. So, 
this was a perfect week to look at youth ministry for a couple of reasons. One, I got Mike Gormley here. Hey, hey. And then second of all, VBS, Vacation Bible School, is going on this week. Yeah. So, Mike, uh, the uh, what is your what is your relationship to youth ministries? Are you are you running the show around here with, in terms of uh, the Yeah, ministries? so as of June 1st, I took over um, the entire faith formation department. I am now in charge of womb-to-tomb faith formation for the parish. So it's pretty nuts, pretty crazy. I took over youth ministry about six months ago. Um, I was the director of adult faith formation and director of adult sacraments, so marriage, RCIA, all that stuff. That was always considered to be a stepping stone into something more, and so all of the rest of the things. But because we didn't have youth ministers outside of Shelly and Diane running confirmation, the idea was well, we're going to slow down this transition because I'm running, I'm doing all the other youth ministry stuff. So now that um, we have two new youth ministers, they are they signed their official work agreement. They are excited to be a part of our parish. When do they start? Uh, they start on July 1st. Wow. So I had the great pleasure of um, whenever we do VBS, Vacation Bible School, the older kids, the fifth and sixth graders, they come up to the youth room and they do a program called Kingdom Builders. And Kingdom Builders used to be the youth, one of the youth ministry type programs that had gone on for years here. Then it became the title of the thing that the fifth and sixth graders would do up in the youth room during VBS. Uh, we have 32 kids up here. We have 10 teen assistants. We have uh, eight parents all helping, all volunteering. The youth room is alive again. It makes my heart happy. Um, kids are playing games. See, here's the deal. I'm a nerd, right? I'm a nerd. So I, I printed off, <laughs> I think you'll get a kick out of this, every paragraph in the catechism on hope. And to, that was today's virtue today. So I printed them out and gave it to oh, all I the bet kids. the kids loved that reading oh, the catechism. Oh, they love the catechism-ish. I don't know. They were asleep. I walked in on uh, on Mike's uh, work this morning. Um, I was bringing something into the youth room, and I, I he was giving, he was shouting orders into a microphone, and the kids were all following those orders were. diligently. Yeah. So what was up with that? Yeah, so that was one of our big group games that we were playing to get the kids up and moving around, and uh, it also gets them to meet kids who they don't know. One of the hardest things in the woodlands of doing ministry is, you know, I was a teen in the St. Anthony's Life Team program when it first started, and there was only one high school then in the area. I mean, you didn't have the Woodlands Academy, you didn't have the Christian Academy, you certainly didn't have College Park. You had a couple kids that maybe went downtown to Strake or to um, St. Thomas, but the vast majority of kids were here at the Woodlands High. And so that meant that a lot of the kids knew each other, but then, at, you know, you get College Park, you get all these other schools that kids go to, and then all of a sudden, um, a lot of people don't know each other anymore. And so it's always been a difficult thing in youth ministry to get people to break out of their cliques, to break out of their friend groups. So I don't know if you know this, but I am not a big games guy. Mm. Just give me a Bible, a catechism, and 45 minutes of your time, and I'll change your life. But turns out, turns out fifth and sixth graders don't have 45 minutes to give. No. <laughs> not so much. So what we do is we play those games that I feel like, number one, get them up and moving and are a lot of fun. But number two, gets them to know each other. So you were you came in when I was doing this game called uh, Classic Youth Ministry Game, Captain on Deck, where you yell five different things and they have to get into different groups of one or two or three or four or five. And so they're constantly running to different kids and you get to know them. But I always make them do rock, paper, scissors. And before they can play a game, they have to extend their right hands, stare into each other's eyes, shake hands, and then introduce themselves. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So I, I do that all the time. So uh, 
Yeah. So it, it was just fun. So you're talking about playing games with these kids. I, I used to be a, a youth minister. I worked a couple summers in it, and, and um, I've worked in this area myself. Yeah. It is always a funny and strange dividing line of how, yeah. how much do you catechize, how much do you evangelize, and what it, and how much do you just, are you just babysitting? You know yeah. what I mean? So we would... I, I came to the point where I realized they're not going to remember the things that I say sometimes. Mm. If I teach them about a saint or a... Uh, truth of the church in some way, they're not necessarily going to a year later think, oh yeah, wait, the definition of hope from that I read from the catechism that one day, that one summer a year right. ago. But what they remember is you and they remember right. how kind you were and, and the, the virtuous things that a way that you acted and the things that you taught. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you'll have a chance for them when they're having a choice to make later on they'll think about their youth minister. So what, what's your thoughts on that? Are, are you catechizing, evangelizing, yeah. somewhere in between? One of the things I've realized over the years is, you know, people always say, tell me in detail the five greatest talks that changed your life. And then usually you can't really go in detail about it. And then they'll say, okay, now give me the details of the five greatest people who changed your life. And you can go into tons of detail about them. And I think that you, you have two things that are kind of going on right there. One is... Um, the context of a relationship matters so much. The difference between, I would say, uh, catechesis in a classroom setting versus what we call youth ministry, it's not whether or not it's in a classroom or sitting at a desk. They put the priority on the relationship first. And youth ministries are terrible when youth ministries don't do that. So if you have a small group leader who's just a parent, you know, that considers themselves more a chaperone, then they're not going to create that youth ministry experience for the kid. And you might as well just be teaching in a classroom. Whereas I feel more formal catechesis puts the content first and the relationship second. And I think the greatest catechists are the same as the greatest youth ministers, which is you put them both equally, right? I mean, think about the greatest teachers you had growing up in school. They were teachers who knew you and cared about you as a person, as well as really good about the content they were delivering. And I don't think in the Catholic church you can ever separate the relationship from the content. Because ultimately, Christ revealed himself through relationship. God is a subsisting relations. That's what the Trinity is. The Father is not the Son, is not the Holy Spirit, but all are equally God. And so it's manifesting through that relationship. So the games, the catechizing, the evangelizing, they all, they, you have to be smart. They all have to blend. They all have to overlap. But I will say this, I'm a nerd, and I see things through an intellectual lens more than I do an emotional lens or, or other things. And I know this, that catechesis is formation that changes hearts and minds, right? So my goal with these kids, if I don't give them as much of the truth in a way that they can receive it, their minds will not be formed in the truth, right? So they can't make decisions in the future. If all they have here is fun and games, Right. And which, you know, they're kids. The majority of this is vacation Bible school. It's going to be fun and games. But if that's all they have, then I've given them nothing that they can't get out in the world. But if I've given them the Eucharist, if I've shown them how to navigate the Bible and the catechism, even if they don't remember the definition of hope, I guarantee you those kids, it was dead silent. And not because they weren't paying attention, because they were staring at me and listening when I was describing why do we why is an anchor the symbol of hope? Do you know why that is? An anchor is Tell the me symbol more. of hope. Huh? 
Tell me. Well, number one, it's in the shape of a cross, the top part, not the swoopy part at the bottom. But the top part's in the shape of a cross. The early Christians in the catacombs used to paint that on the tombs. So it was this sign of like, there is hope in the resurrection because there's a cross in the middle of this anchor. But the other thing is, have you ever, you ever gone swimming in the Gulf of Mexico? Have you been there yet? I have, yeah. Okay. So when I was a kid, I was in Oklahoma. We drove down to South Padre Island and I tried to keep up with my brother, Brian, who's 10 years older than me. And, you know, we, they keep going out further and further. And pretty soon I can't touch, but I don't want them to know. So I I go out as far as them and now I'm exhausted. And so I'm like, okay, I need to swim back to shore. And I look on shore and I can't find my family. Mm. Right? You ever done where the current just yeah, like, yeah, just... you think you're straight out, but you're not. You're going sideways the whole time. And uh, I said, that's what an anchor is. An anchor is something that goes so deep through the winds, the waves, the rains, the waters, the darkness, that it attaches to something permanent and unmoving, right? And so the idea is, even though you might bob up and down on the waters, on the surface, right? Even though you might feel like you're about to be shipwrecked, you're not lost, you're anchored. Mm. And it's that notion that I, I think the kids will remember that, that I'm not their anchor, that they aren't their own anchor, that Jesus Christ and what he did for them. So that's where I introduced the theology of hope. The theology of hope is, it's a theological virtue, meaning it come, God is the source and God is the end. So if God's a source in the end, how is he my hope? Well, think about the cross, right? What he did for me, who he is and what he did is my hope. I have all my confidence in his ability to bring out the greater good. Not in my ability, but in his ability. And so when you start to get that focus and you see the lights in their eyes be like, oh, that was an analogy you made with an anchor, but it totally makes sense. So I told them, I said, listen, next year, High school, college, you will suffer in huge ways. You will experience pain. Maybe you'll lose someone you love. I said, God never promises you a perfect life, but he promises to be your anchor, that you'll never drift far from shore. Like you'll never drift away from as long as Christ is your anchor. That is where like, where the relationship, the theology, and the evangelization, like give your heart to him, all comes together in that moment. And I feel like the games, the fun, the me sharing my life with them prepares the way for them to receive that message. Right. No, that's that's Man, that's that was true. long-winded. I'm sorry. No, that's all I right. So that's sorry. perfect because that's a, a great example of this idea of um, imaginative apologetics. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever yeah. heard the phrase, but it's like uh, this sense that you know any, any type of conversion or, or use of apologetics cannot just be fact. It's not a math equation where you can mm. read a sheet and say, oh, yeah. I, I know this to be true because of, of this thing. Real, m- most relationships or most truths, capital T truths, like your relationship with God or God himself, uh, don't come across in that way. They come across in a more or deep way where you have to hear these stories. You have to see yeah. see it in your life. You have to see images, which is a part of the reason we have these saints all around our campus. You have to see them to make them real. Um, and, and so what you're doing with those yeah. stories are, are making these truths real in, in different ways yeah. and and you know youth don't don't always leave the ministry converted or, or like deciding oh I'm going to be a saint today but it's just a yeah. stepping stone you know so when I was in youth and ministry and we would go to these big events with these big name speakers they would have a 40 minute talk 30 minutes is some hilarious insane over the top story with like a five minute segue and then a 10 or 15 minute catechesis. Yeah, the attention getter talk. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I don't remember now, I like the story was hilarious. I can remember some of the story, but I don't remember any of the theology that was attached. Mm-hmm. So I always did the opposite. I gave, out of a 40 minute talk, I would give 30 minutes 
of catechesis. But what I didn't realize I was doing, because people were like, oh, the kids aren't going to remember, blah, blah, blah. The kids aren't going to remember. I had this one guy who, was so, who would hire me, but he didn't believe in my method. And I realized what I was telling, the story that I was telling, one was the story of the gospel in whatever topic I had, right? Because I always go back to scripture. But two is I tell a thousand stories about me so they can get to, like, who am I? Well, I'm going to tell you a funny story about my family. I'm going to tell you a funny story about my wife. I'm going to tell you a funny story, like a hilarious story about my wife, an even more embarrassing story about my wife. Yeah. I just keep telling those stories. Right. Um, but no, I would go through all this stuff. Like, I talk about the prison ministry, which I just got to go back to the Ferguson unit for the first time in a year and a half. Like, it was incredible. Um, I did that yesterday. But like telling, just talking about, those are the stories that even though they're not one big story at the beginning of a talk, it drives the knowledge home because there is no, oh man, if Brian Jones, if lowly coordinator of liturgy, Brian Jones were here, he would say, it's just like the philosopher Alistair McIntyre says in those wonderful book After Virtue, there is no fact without a story or a theory that, that it's sandwiched in. That's why the saints are so important. It needs to be nourished and, uh, you know, kind of um, the context needs to be the story, the great story, always. Always. Well, you're talking a little bit about the, the how important a personal relationship is for any type of conversion or evangelization. So that's why I think it's yeah. so huge. We're getting these two new ministers yeah. this this summer. So yeah, starting in a couple of weeks, we'll have two new people. Because I know you are the the, the favorite son of Saint Anthony of Padua, yeah, but uh, but <laughs> uh, you're filling a lot of uh, roles right now. So it'll be great to have two new people and two a new. Um, personalities here to share with all these youths uh, that can invest their time so that you can these be freed two up. Youths. Yeah, you can be freed up to mm. do uh, your boss man things and our ministers can do what they do, which is yep. form relationships with these kids um, and, and bring them into the church. So yep. um, one other thing that, that was mentioned that I, I've heard a lot about here at St. Anthony is this Life Teen program. Mm. So I'm from, I'm from Kansas. Mm. I don't think Life Teen has, has made it there. Yeah. No. So tell me more about Life Teen um, and the because at one point I know and I and and it was it St. Anthony's is like the the flagship parish for Life Teen. So uh, I wouldn't go that far, but no. So Life Teen was an organization that literally started on EWTN as a show, and they would talk about youth ministry and the type of stuff they were doing at St. Tim's in Mesa, Arizona, and it became this this way of reaching the kids that uh, tried to step beyond the normal. Because for most places, kids don't go to catechesis or formation or whatever unless there's a sacrament involved in some in some way. It started spreading all throughout. It became a program. It became a movement. It became all the things that it is. St. Anthony's was there somewhat early on, maybe 10 years after it initially launched. I got involved when it was at St. Oak Ridge. We launched it when we were still meeting in the high school cafeteria or whatever, the pit we used to call it. And Barbara Beale just had this vision for something more for her kids. And her daughter was, you know, she's a couple years younger than me, but we were in the same first year of life teen. And some of the people that you see around church that are, you know, uh, in their late 30s, like we were there mm. and we didn't leave. We might have left the Woodlands for college or whatever, but like we came back because it really didn't make it feel like home. So life teen has been thriving. And, you know, we're a young parish with young families. Uh, we were from the beginning. And we always double down on youth ministry uh, to the point where I know over the years people complained like, oh, youth ministry gets everything and all this stuff. But it, it was because they had this dedicated room that no one else had in the diocese at that time. This mm -hmm. big, beautiful room overlooks the gym. Funny story. The first day this room went, this whole building was built, was on my first day. <laughs> and uh, we had like maybe a... Um, 
maybe about four days before the teachers moved into their classrooms. And I had a couple wayward teens in here that their parents were like, you're staying in here, get some youth group, get some Jesus in your life. And so I went to make them popcorn and we were playing uh, Nintendo on the old uh, projector screens. And uh, I burnt the popcorn to oblivion. Nice. And none of the windows open. So the whole school smelled of stale burnt popcorn when the teachers came in the <laughs> next day. They said they were running fans throughout the whole it building. Still smells that way today. So that's just because I have my shoes off. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, youth ministry has just been huge at this parish. And one of the reasons is, and this is something that I found out when I was a senior in high school, is so many kids' parents had a conversion because of their children. Mm. And that's the dynamism that you want. If your parents aren't super practicing and the kids are, they can draw them back into the heart of the church. If the parents are super practicing and the kids might be rebelling against the faith because they're rebelling against mom and dad, that's where it pays to have youth ministers and core members who know them and love them uh, that are not mom and dad. Yet we're basically saying the same thing as mom and dad. You know, it's the standard, uh, standard stereotype, right? Like, I literally said the same thing to you last week. No, you didn't. Like, yes, I did, <laughs> right? But it's not mom and dad. It's different that. coming from someone else. Yeah. Yeah, I know I know exactly what you mean. And yeah. and and even if it, you are getting catechized at home, say you're a parent and you are telling your kid all about the gospel, it's still worth to go youth ministry for the yeah. community. And youth ministry, you know, is evolving. It's always evolved. But we have a problem. We have a problem. You ready for this? What's your problem? The year before COVID, so standard, you know, standard year, uh, we had 735 teenagers register for just high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, 735. Now, almost 300 of those are confirmation sophomore year and above kids, kids who would need their confirmation. And so when you enroll in confirmation, you also enroll in life teens so that you can go any Sunday night you want. But what I began seeing over the years is the numbers got so high. You know, the freshmen have to be here if they're going to go into confirmation their sophomore year. So there's like 300 freshmen, 285 sophomores, you know, and then you have like 200 juniors and however many seniors, and you have these huge numbers, right? But what was happening was the juniors and seniors started leaving, because, and it was essentially on Sunday nights just a freshman youth group. And when confirmation wasn't meeting, then all of a sudden it would double in size as all the sophomores came to life night. So I began talking with the youth ministers at the time. It wasn't under me, and I began saying, guys, Guys, life teen is too big not to fail, right? You're, you're, let's be honest, half of your behavior problems, if not all of them, are freshmen. You're meeting in a gym. You're up front in a stage. You're meeting in a gym. They're all spread out. You can't even see their faces. Now, I know, but we got to make it work, and we can do this. And to me, I saw it three years ago that the handwriting was on the wall, like this phase of youth ministry is coming to an end. And what we realized was we have this big, beautiful youth room up here, but it only holds about 350 kids sitting with their butts on the floor, right? You know, without chairs. So I made the bold move, the bold move that I'm terrified of. Uh, we pulled for the first time in the history of Life Teen, we pulled the freshmen out. And they are going to have their own time. Life, we're going to call it year one. If you're a freshman or you are preparing for a confirmation, you come to year one. We did it during COVID, and I was like, let's just keep this going. Um, we're going to all meet in the youth room, and uh, we're going to do it for an hour and 15 minutes before the Life Team Mass at 6 p.m. And then afterwards, we're going to have our regular life nights for sophomores, juniors, and seniors. So it's going to be crazy, I think. Uh, I, I don't know how it's going to work, but I really hope we get the freshmen 
where they're at with their questions and their craziness and all this stuff. And every core member that joins is joining because they want to serve the freshmen or they want to serve the upper class. And we can tailor a message to the upper class that the freshmen and the sophomores have already heard. You know? Well, I love it. It's anytime you're being more personal uh, and personalize a message, that's going to be great. And yeah, there's a huge I'm, difference between 14 and 18. I know, but I'm so scared, man. Edge and Anchor. Anchor is for 5th and 6th. Edge is for 7th and 8th. We shortened them to an hour and 15 minutes as well. Edge was an hour and a half. Anchor was always an hour and 15. And we're moving them. Uh, both are going to be on Tuesday nights. Up here in the youth room, there are 300 kids in Anchor alone, 300 in Edge alone. So we're going to be able to catechize 600 kids in one evening and it still feel like it's just them, right? Because it will be because we're just going to stack them back to back. We'll have them in here. They'll have their own core team members. They'll have their own content for their age appropriateness. And then we'll do large group and small group just like any other Edge night or Anchor night. But we're doing it all on one day so that Sunday is totally free for high school ministry. Love it. I love yeah. to hear it. And I think um, having everything 100% in person is going to help too. Obviously, yep. last year was a huge yeah. setback. Uh, Zoom and <sighs> videos and everything. Are, we, we do good videos here, but uh, it's yeah. just no substitute for uh, face-to-face yeah. uh, and personal evangelism. Let, can I tell you the worst part of Zoom class for me? So I over the summer, I did a Zoom inclusion class to bring people into the church uh, in 2020. And they would all mute their microphones because, you know, they're sitting in their house and you know, husband's got the TV on, kids are running around screaming. So they, everyone would mute their microphones. So I'm going through my material and I'm just cracking jokes left and right. And no I'm like, laughs. Hey, yeah, no laughs because they're all muted. Pause so I would unmute here. them all and be like, was that funny? Like a sad <laughs> little beggar. Well, please tell me, sir. Please tell me. Was that, was that funny, sir? Affirm me. There should be a push to affirm button on, <laughs> on Mike's Zoom calls. Well, so what they would do is they turn their cameras on, they give me <laughs> thumbs the thumbs up. up, and then they turn the camera off. It was so sad. Yeah, wow. Wow, that tells says a lot about you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I have a, you know, I always tell people I'm a narcissist, but with low self-esteem. <laughs> That's a, what a combo. What a combo. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work well. In July, mid-July, we are kicking off our registration. So that's online registration for all of our children's faith formation and sacramental prep programs. You're talking uh, all of elementary CCE, you're talking youth ministry, all that stuff, confirmation. That's all going to be out there. And classes will kick off, I believe it's September 14th is our kickoff week. Awesome. So I'm, all the elementary classes are kicking off that week. All of youth ministry, so Anchor, Edge, and Life Team Year One, and Life Team Upper Class, they'll all be kicking off that Sunday. And what's going to happen is the sacramental formation, so SAC prep for First Holy Communion, Reconciliation, and Confirmation, the actual classes for the kids and events and stuff will be in October. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Exciting times. Oh, man, I can't wait. To We're see back people. at it. Well, I appreciate you sharing a little bit more about uh, faith formation yeah. and all the youth ministries we've got going on. Yeah. Uh, if people have questions, contact Mike Gormley. Uh, he will get you signed up or or get you to the people who will sign you yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I will sure. not sign you up because I don't know how any of that stuff works. <laughs> but he's got... But I got people. He's got friends. I got people. And let me tell you, email me. Email me, mgormley at ap.church. I'm Gormley at ap.church, and I'll take care of you. We are going to do big things. Good deal. Good deal. We're in, we're in good hands, and I like the way we're going with our youth ministry. So like Mike said, contact him with any questions about youth ministry. And uh, to find and out more. And faith formation. And faith formation. And if you got yeah. any questions about what's going on at St. Anthony's in the coming weeks, go ahead and check out our events page, ap.church slash events. We've got a running list of uh, everything we're doing here at St. Anthony's. So until next time, good talking to you, Mike. Adios. Good talking with you, too. Later. Bulletin, be up, uh, 
the bulletin, 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 the bulletin